Hi and welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to Raw Chatter. I am your host and presenter, Vicky Midwood. This is season three of this podcast that will be talking about fitness, health, alcohol dependence, issues around food, body weight, body image, and all of the stuff related to how we feel about ourselves and in our own skin. I do hope you enjoy these episodes and I would love you to comment and connect with me on social media. If you get the opportunity to drop me a line, I'd also love to hear from you. It's Vicky, V-I-C-K-Y, at vickymidwood.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, and welcome to Vicky Midwood here. I am your host on Raw Chatter. And today I am talking about bereavement and self-soothing with food or alcohol. And grief obviously comes under the heading of bereavement. Now, I am talking about death and dying, folks. So obviously, you know, this may trigger some people, but we need to talk about it. I actually did a podcast not that long ago, um, I think on series two, season two, it's not, it's not a TV series, Vic, on season two, um, with a wonderful lady who is involved in death cafes. And it's a subject that we need to, I believe, discuss more, and particularly how we manage bereavement, the loss of a loved one. That's what that term means. Now, we all are going to deal with, with losing somebody or something. It could be a pet, it, or it could be and this is the angle that I'm coming from to some to some degree, a habit that we have become very attached to, that we believe we need to keep on going. In other words, an addiction, because letting go of an addiction and changing our complete identity can often feel like a, bere a bereavement or, or a loss. And we can almost go through the grieving process. And I have shared this on my blog uh, this the most recent blog that I did, um, which went out at the weekend on my website, um, www.vickymidwood.com. And I've also put it on uh, Medium as well. So if you are a Medium follower, you can check it out there. It's titled Bereavement, Boozing and Self-Soothing because they often do go together. Now, I'm not going to regurgitate the blog because I want you to go and read it. Um, the point of doing a podcast is for just to share something a little bit different for you. Um, and But I want to share with you that if you are in the process now of dealing with a recent bereavement and you have noticed that you've got physical issues and, and symptoms going on and you're starting to worry about your own health on top of everything else, I want you to know that that's actually perfectly normal and part often for a lot of people of the whole bereavement process. There are physical issues that we often feel like complete lethargy, lack of motivation, um, just just feeling like you're coming down with something or maybe you actually do pick up a cold or a virus and because your immune system can be compromised and and knowing that these symptoms are unfortunately often a part of the the grieving and the bereavement process i think is important because otherwise it feels like just something else for you to handle now when it comes to grieving and 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 what that actually means and what it looks like 
I'm sure you've heard this from from many people and read it uh, on on many posts and blogs is that it's different for everybody and it absolutely is but there is a whole host of emotions that we go through and when you google it which I'm sure you maybe have done especially if it's a new process to you often it talks about the five stages of or the seven stages of and they, they kind of list these things don't they that that you that you're going to go through and there's this belief system that I had originally and I know that when I've spoken to other people about this they have it as well that that you're going to have these symptoms in order and they don't appear in order that is not how it works so there can be disbelief there can be shock there can be anger there can be fear there can be upset and sadness and resentment and there can be so many different emotions but it, they don't come in order right they can hit you from all sorts of cues and just phrases that people say or songs or whatever and this is where you you need to allow yourself some compassion now for me i didn't actually understand what grief was and and uh, or how to do it what did it really mean i understood i had lost a pet i had and and that's a word again a term that you know i i don't like it as you heard in what I shared last week when I was talking about the book launch, I did say that I was going to be talking today about grieving and bereavement and, and boozing and, and addiction and picking up food and alcohol to help us to manage our feelings and cope with it. But what that word lost, I always think it's the wrong kind of word because it, it almost I feel it's it's almost like we're talking about a bunch of keys or a wallet, you know, I've lost somebody. They're, they're not lost. They're, we haven't lost a person or a pet, right? They're just no longer in their physical form, this is my belief, on this planet. Um, but everything that we shared and every part of the memories and the experiences that we had when they were physically here on this planet we call Earth, right is something that you have got in your memory banks we've got photos you have got the memories of so many times that were fun and joyous that they drove you insane um that they you know the good and the bad we've got the lot so what have we lost well i i don't like that term and i'm not going to use it so when somebody leaves their physical body that's the terminology I like to use. I I didn't really know how to respond or how to react. And the reason for that, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but the reason for that is because I recognised that I'd not had anybody really kind of explain or, or help me to, to know how to do it. So I I found... Um, a dead cat that's the first my first experience that I had of, of an animal dying is I found it dead actually lying on the top of a boiler underneath the shop that we used to have and I thought it was asleep right and it wasn't um you recognize that it was dead and it was it was overwhelmingly a feeling of sadness that it was no longer alive and I wasn't going to see it running around anymore but it wasn't particularly an in-house pet and it wasn't a, a cat that you know used to come in and sit on your lap or sit by the fire and we could cuddle so there wasn't that closeness 
we had gerbils and and they died and i can remember that was an overwhelming sense of sadness but also that we could get another one and again they're not like humans they don't have they don't converse with you so it, it's a different thing now fast forward to a number of years later when i have had pets die cats have died um of illness one got run over by a truck and it was when we were living uh, when i was little living in the same shop and i can remember the anger at the brand of biscuit that was on the truck that ran my cat down it was mcvitties and i vowed because of my anger and my shock and my disbelief that i would never ever 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 and I was a young kid, might have been about six or seven at the time. Never, ever, ever eat another McVitie's biscuit as long as I lived. And maybe unconsciously, that's my programming of why I don't do biscuits and I don't like biscuits. Maybe that is how powerful that was. I don't know. Um, the truth is I've never been a biscuit fan, I don't think, to be honest, even before that. But but it, it kind of would make sense if, if that made me even more adamant and reinforced this idea that, that I do not do those things i share in my blog that phrase i do not and and it's important that the language that we use is is something that we are absolutely aware of and i will talk about it in nearly every episode because i cannot emphasize enough the importance of the words that we choose to use and oftentimes people don't choose them they come out automatically and i'm inviting you to start being really aware of the words that you are allowing to come out of your mouth right and oftentimes we're not aware because it's so unconscious it's something that is so automatic you're not even aware of it but if i can just kind of poke you into starting to be aware then it's going to be beneficial for you and crucially crucially for the people who are hearing those words who are receiving them as usual i've digressed so for me i i i, I got the anger side of things and, and then i got i was angry more than anything and i was cross that that should happen and the the truck driver didn't even stop and he wasn't even aware i don't think um it was one of the people afterwards who told me that that's what had happened thankfully i didn't see it um so i only know from being told sort of second hand but then i've had cats who have died and it's been absolutely heart-wrenchingly devastatingly emotional because I had to make the decision to take them to the vet and end their life because I couldn't bear to see them suffer anymore. Now, there's a part of me wishes that we could do that with humans. Um, when I saw my mum suffer as she did, and when she said to me she didn't, she didn't want to be here anymore because she didn't have a life, if I could have done something legally, then I'm absolutely certain I would. Would have gone down like a lead balloon, no doubt, with other members of, of my family. But I, I got what she, where she was coming from. And as somebody living with bipolar, she wasn't living. Um, and the bipolar story is a whole other thing. Um, but people may know my thoughts and views on, on how my mum was treated. And it was abysmal. It was appalling. And I still think that in today's supposedly modern world, it, they still 
are not treating people much better, to be quite honest. There is a lot we don't understand about bipolar, but there's a lot that we do. But the, the methods and the help being offered is just so far behind. Um, I'm not going to get on that particular subject. Suffice to say that it was heart-wrenching to have to make that decision and to walk away from the vets and know that that was it. And so you see the, the space where they used to sit and you know, you think about the things that they used to do and their little quirks and foibles and what have you. Well, it's not different for human beings. You know, I know pets can't talk to you, but you still have memories and you still have thoughts. So when when somebody is judging or telling you how to grieve or what you should be feeling or whether you should be over it by now, I want you to just kind of let it wash over you if possible, because it is your personal, personal process. One thing that is important, though, is to not let it completely take over your life. Um, and when my mum died, it was a relief. It, it, we didn't know exactly when, but we knew that she was ill. But having said that, she we had been in a scenario many years before where we'd all been called into a room in the hospital as a family and been told to prepare ourselves for the fact she was in a coma, that she would probably not come out of it. Well, she was a hell of a strong lady physically, and she did. Much to the surprise of, of the doctors, she did come out of it, and she, she lived uh, for quite a long time afterwards as well. And um, potentially, I think she wished she probably hadn't, but we knew that she had had multiple chest infections and she was in a lot of discomfort and it was horrible to see um for anybody who's gone through watching somebody deteriorate from physical illness whether it's ms or whether it's cancer or, or any any issue or illness where you can see that they are getting frailer and able to understand less and you just know that they're in pain most of the time it's it's horrible to, to stand by and watch it really really is and so we knew it was going to happen and was it was it a kind of a relief and a release when it did yes but I didn't know how to respond and react and again if you listen to last week's episode you'll hear me share about me having to do the XL exhibition um for my book launch with the book that I didn't actually have to launch. And, and so my focus was on that and how cross and angry I was with, with the whole situation with the publishers that I didn't really process. You know, her funeral was on the 13th and the exhibition I think was on the 15th. It was just literally days after and it was a two day event. And so my focus was was kind of elsewhere when I think about it. And so when I went to an event with my health coach to Columbia, we we went to Columbia and we did plant medicine. And you'll have heard me share a number of times. I'm always open to new things and you never know until you have a go. And I wanted to try ayahuasca, but I wanted to try it in a space and a place that was sensible and safe and I had had a heart attack, as I said to you, not long after that whole 
book mum dying scenario so my mum died in january the funeral was on the 13th of february i had the exhibition thing i think on the 15th and 16th of february and i had my heart attack in the very first week of march so not long after at all and and so i wanted to go on this trip with my health coach um that year 2018 because he was taking a group of people but quite rightly so he said and it was going to be in the august or september time he said it's a little bit too soon after you having a heart attack i'm not happy and i don't think it's a very good idea um but he was going to check in with the shaman and she said quite rightly so tell her to come the following year so in 2019, on the year of my 50th birthday and my daughter's 21st, I had a year of doing a lot of trips. And to be quite honest, what that kicked off, having a heart attack in 2018 kicked off for me, was the realisation that you just never know how long you've got. Now, for women, we don't get the symptoms that men do at all. And this is not about hearts and heart attacks, by the way, it is about grieving and stuff. But I recognised that I needed to take the opportunities that I could get as and when they came up, because I genuinely really didn't know how long I had. The, the Oftentimes, the first time a woman knows she's had a heart attack is when she's had one and she's dead. Right? We don't get the warning signs. I didn't. Um, I fainted. I thought I was coming down with a sore throat and a bit of a virus, right? And that's often pretty much all the signs we get. So you can see how it's very often missed by GPs and anybody else that you might go to with symptoms. So for me, I was really, really fortunate that I had a heart attack, I had stent fitted, the ambulance were brilliant, they took me to, to the best hospital in those circumstances. Um, but I ended up going on this trip. And what I recognised while I was out there, and it was the shaman and my health coach that helped me to recognise it, that I hadn't grieved at all for my dad, who committed suicide, because I kind of knew he was going to do it, at least in my head I did, and I hadn't really grieved for my mum. And the recognition of that was I didn't know how. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know. I didn't know what to feel. And so I didn't really think about it. My my thought process literally, well, well, they're no longer here in their skin and bone physical form. But I don't believe that, you know, they're lost, certainly. They're not lost. And so I didn't really know what I thought and what I felt. Now I understand a little bit more about energy and the universe. Then, you know, I feel differently again, but I recognised that, uh, there was a lot of part, there was a big part of me that was upset about the fact that they did have their separate lives. But it was the two of them together that created me and my brother, and that they were so separate and they had such a horrendous uh, parting. And I never really spoke together much after that. But I also knew that both of them cared very much about me. And there were so many things that I, I, I had some great memories and some powerful stuff and I can still hear both of their voices separately uh, often. Um, when I'm kind of going, what should I do here? And I feel as if it's coming through. And some people experience that and they absolutely know that it is their mum or the dad and other people are not sure. It doesn't, it's a thought, it comes in as a thought. And if it is them, then that's great. And and if I choose to believe it is, then that's also great. It may or may not be, it doesn't actually matter. But what I recognised then was that I didn't, 
I hadn't grieved because because the truth was I didn't know how, what it looked like or how to do it. And what I was able to do was actually spend really a whole day kind of in that grief process. And I howled, a sound came out of me um, while we were doing the plant medicine that I have never heard come out of my body ever. And it was, I can't describe it any more than a howling wail. Um, it was so shocking to me that it was like, oh my God, I've made that sound. And, and just tears that were coming out of my face. And yet I didn't recognize initially that I was actually crying until I started proper sobbing to the point where I, like a child who is overwrought, was, was doing the big sob you know where it just comes out and that and that was happening and I recognized that that was me actually letting go of pent-up grief that I didn't even know I'd been holding on to and so my point of this is we don't know what grief is like for us until we go through it and it may well be that if you have done what I did and just carried on and kept busy and didn't really spend any time thinking about it or journaling on it or anything like that, which I didn't, um, it kind of makes sense that it is something that we need to allow ourselves some space and some time to go through, whatever that looks like for you. It may be that um, that meditation is something that can help you to release it. It may be that doing some kind of somatic work or kinesiology can help you release some of the tension and the pain and the stuff that you may be holding onto because of grief. It may be, it may be trauma therapy or counseling will help you. There is bereavement counseling and grief counseling available. And, and it's something that I highly recommend you explore. If you know, like me, that you really didn't take any space or time out to actually think about or process that person not being here anymore. And one of the things I do know, and it comes up a lot, is that often we turn to substances to help ourselves cope with the emotions that feel like you're on a roller coaster. And I, and I shared this in the blog, and I'm not going to regurgitate the blog. But if you do find that if somebody has passed, and it's fairly recent, when I'm saying fairly recent in the last couple of years, and you are using or turning to substances to help you to cope, recognize it's probably a habit that you've created. And it's not you being an addict. I think it's really important to differentiate between the two. That coping mechanism, when we have emotions that are, are new, and they do literally come you know, almost in waves in those first couple of years, particularly, then recognize that, you know, once you have realized that that's what they are related to, you can change things. And it's not as hard as you think. But it's really important as well that we don't allow ourselves to become a victim to the grief. Because it's important that we continue with our lives. They are no longer here with us in their physical form but we are still here. And there are people who we are important to. Even if you may feel insignificant, I can guarantee you that you are important to somebody or something. It, it might be an animal or a pet, or it may, be, it may be something that you've said in the past that has made somebody look up to you that you don't even know about. So recognizing 
that we need to grieve and it's really, really important, but also recognizing that we must not allow it to completely take over our lives to the point where we don't actually allow ourselves to live our life because chances are the person you are grieving did live their life. So if you are struggling, I highly recommend that you check out what is available locally to you in terms of bereavement or grief counseling and help. Talking about it is important. Look at death cafes. They are so, so helpful. And you get to meet other people who are going through the same thing as you. Just be aware that we don't want to hang on to it and utilize it as an excuse not to get on with our own lives. Will it crop up? Is there a time frame where, you know, I know there's a phrase, well, you should be over it by now, but we're all different. And yes, time does, I believe, make it a little bit easier. It's not so powerfully at the forefront of your mind after time has passed. And I know that I look at things differently now. It's five years since my mum passed, which means it's, it's going to be seven years this year since my dad did. And I didn't grieve for him either, because as I shared earlier, he kind of told me what he was going to do. And, and, I, and I knew that he wanted out. So he did commit suicide. And, and I got it. My relationship with my dad when he was alive was very odd. The last few years, it was very, very different. But while I was growing up, I was frightened of him. So my grieving for him was, was different completely to my grieving for my mum. But did I do it in the same ceremony uh, when I was in Colombia? Yes, I did. And did it make a massive difference? Yes. But do I still have waves of, of emotion that I can only put down to grief? Yeah, I do. But it's okay because I know that they are just that energy emotion. That's what emotions are. And they are signals that perhaps maybe I need to listen to what is the thought process that comes along with that? Is there a message I'm needing to hear? Is there something that I'm needing to do to take care of myself that I've not been doing? It's usually a sign or it's a cue and that's how I see it to give myself a bit of space and a bit of time to process things and not rush and thoroughly enjoy their memories and the things that you loved about them. So I hope what I've shared with you has been helpful. I've put some links in the show notes and in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, ju just go and check them out if you are struggling or pass them on to somebody who you feel may be struggling. And I'd also like to, before I go, to invite you to subscribe to my channel because I am trying to grow, particularly the podcast and the YouTube. I want to be doing more of sharing stuff face-to-face -face because I want to be doing more face-to-face -face live events as well. Um, so if you haven't subscribed, I would love you to. And if you have already subscribed, thank you so much. Keep watching and I'll speak to you soon.